listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Come on, I can't hear you. How are you doing this morning? Great, great to see all of you. Wow, we are kind of jam-packed today with our setup. There's a little bit of uh, standing room uh, kanina. But I'd like to welcome everybody here um, on site. And for those of you who are watching uh, on uh, YouTube or Facebook, welcome to church. And uh, my name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this uh, congregation. And we're just so happy. How many of you are so happy that we can actually uh, continue resuming, you know, what God has started and, you know, just coming to church? It's really a different experience, you know. Um, if people can actually go back to restaurants and going back to, well, how many, how many of you know that church, God is our priority, amen? He is first, amen? He's first in our life. And I believe that God designed us to gather together. And that's the reason why even this series entitled Tayo, everybody say Tayo, means together, right? It can also be said Tayo, okay? Don't Tayo now, okay? Upo lang kayo, upo, okay? But Tayo means uh, to stand, standing on the promises of God. And also Tayo means to build, to build together. And so we don't want to uh, sound like Tayo, Tayo lang. Because how many of you know that we're also part of the greater body of Christ? And I believe that that's exactly what Pastor Carlo was uh, praying for earlier. You know, this coming uh, election in May, how many of you know that is a pivotal moment as well? But we know that God is building something in the Philippines that no man can stop and stand. Come on now. And I believe that God's purpose for this nation will stand. And all we got to do as a church is to rise up and tayo, okay? And to believe God for God's promises for each and every one of us. So it's good to see all of you. And I hope that, um, you know, as you are slowly gathering, uh, that you get to experience the presence of God. How many of you have experienced the presence of God this morning as we were worshiping? Iba talaga, no? Come on now. Let's give a lot of praise for that. It's, it's different. When the people of God gather together as an assembly. And, you know, there's something about assembling together. And the Avengers is not the one only designed to Avengers assemble, you know. Church assemble. And I believe that, you know, we need to always gather as a church because, you know, that's who we are. We find our identity in Christ, but at the same time, we need one another. Look at the person to your right, right now, okay? Look at the person to your right and see how beautiful that eyes are, okay? Those eyes, ang beautiful lang eyes, okay? Yung ibang ginagawa na, nag-i-invest sila sa eyelashes, Okay? And so even if you don't see the rest of the face, eyelash is it, okay? And so, uh, you know, we, we appreciate the fact that we're gathered together as a church and as a body and that, you know, we, we sense the presence of God. It was amazing, you know, earlier we were singing songs and you can actually hear the people around you sing in unison uh, compared to the time when we were actually gathered at home, you know, looking at your screen or your TV. Now, if you are at home, it's okay, okay? But we encourage you, ibarito, okay? Well, anyway, so, <laughs> would you agree with me on that? <laughs> and I believe that God is doing something new. People are saying this is the new normal, but I would actually say it's better normal. Better days are up ahead. The glory of this new house is greater than the glory of the former house because I believe that God is doing something new. He's about to pour out His new wine upon this new wine skin. And I believe that God is preparing something special for a people of God who will seek Him daily. Everyone say daily. Not just on Sundays, not just on weekends. Don't give God your token time. God deserves everything. God deserves to be Lord over 100% of our life. Amen. Not 99, not 99.5, not 99.9, 100%. Amen. He is either Lord of all or Lord not at all. And so, that's not my message, okay? I'm just uh, excited to see all of you. But anyway, we're on the series of uh, Tayo, and this is our third week. And we are uh, looking at the prophecies of Haggai. Haggai is considered to be a minor prophet, not that he's 
midget or minor in importance, but minor because of his writing. He only had about four prophetic words. And that's the reason why we're taking the four weeks to, decide, uh, to, to, uh, to decipher, to break down the prophetic words of Haggai. Week one, two weeks ago, we talked about, uh, you know, priorities. Everybody say priorities. Now, we ought to put God first and that God deserves to be there, to be first, to be central in our life. Last week, we talked about, uh, Pastor Raymond spoke about uh, encouragement. And uh, today, we're going to talk about purity. So, uh, priority in the first, and today, we're going to be looking at purity. And there's a similarity of his word with the prophecy of Haggai. You know, somehow, there's a parallelism between week one and week three, and week two and week four. And so, we will be looking at that. And so, um, we, we ought to put God's house first. And I mean, if you know that... If we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say, kingdom of God. Everybody say, His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us as well. You know, we talked about seeking the kingdom of God in week one and how to build God's house. And today we'll continue to talk about seeking his righteousness. What does it mean for us to seek God's kingdom? And what does it mean for us to seek God's righteousness? You know, what's righteousness? Righteousness is to be in right standing with God. It's to be upright. It's to be consecrated. It's to be holy before the Lord. And how many of you sometimes feel that you don't deserve to be called a holy person? Right? Look at your husband or your wife. Tama. I agree with pastor, okay? No, I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? But yes, it resonates. How can I be holy? Because I am some, many times impure in my thoughts, in my speech, in my priority. But yet God calls us a holy people. And we will be looking at that more later on. It's being consecrated. It's being pure. It's being holy before the Lord. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see God. And how many of you would like to see God? Not right now, okay? Physically, you know. But we, see, we sense God. And, and there's a presence of God that manifests upon His people. And we see God. The Bible says those who see God are, are called sons of God. How many of you are called sons and daughters of God? The promise of the scripture in the Beatitudes is we will see God face to face someday. The manifest, you know, the, the, for who He is, for His glory, the brilliance of His face, we will see Him without even being scared. And so that's what the Bible says. That we need to seek the kingdom of God and then His righteousness. And so let's all open up our Bibles once again to Haggai. Chapter 2, and if you have a digital device, it's easy. If you have a physical Bible, just go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Turn two books to the left, and you will find the book of Haggai. And let's open to chapter 2, verse 10. I'd like to invite everybody to stand along with me as we give reverence uh, to the Word of God. Maybe you can just follow along with me dun sa keynote, okay? as I read the Scripture. Haggai chapter 2. Verse 19 to verse, uh, sorry, verse 10 to verse 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came, to, uh, came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil, or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priests answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is it with this people. And with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider, everybody say consider. Consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? 
When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Verse uh, 18, consider from this day onward. Everybody say, consider. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn indeed the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing? Let's all read the final statement out loud. One, two, three. But from this day on, I will bless you. Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? From this day on, I will bless you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word today. We open up our hearts to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you that you will bring encouragement to your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. So that, just to give us a quick recap of the story of the Jews back in uh, Jerusalem during that time. It was the year 538 BC. Don't worry, we're not going to take an exam on dates or history, okay? This is just something that we can actually appreciate because this is an actual event that happened in history. You check your world history books and how the Babylonians took the Israelites from Jerusalem as exiles in Babylon, and after that, a new kingdom or empire defeated the Babylonians, and that's called the Persian Empire. How many of you are familiar with the Persian Empire? How many of you are familiar with King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, right? So he was the one who took the people from Jerusalem. Now, when Persia defeated Babylon, there's a new king named King Cyrus. And King Cyrus, somehow, even though he was not a Jew, God spoke to him to allow the Jews to go back to their land so that they can actually rebuild the temple. And he was declaring that in Ezra. We don't have the time to turn there. Ezra chapter 1 talks about that, that I, King Cyrus, uh, are now allowing the Jews because God spoke to me to be able to rebuild his temple. He was acknowledging that the only true God of the world. And so God used King Cyrus uh, an, uh, you know, a, a non-Jew king to be able to be an instrument to bring the Jews back there. But somehow when they got back to Judah, they got distracted. And instead of rebuilding the temple, they started building their own houses. They start building their own business. They start putting up new stalls. They actually, you know, put up pancake houses, boba drinks, you know, uh, you know different uh, restaurants. They put cinemas. And so they started building and they started saying, Hey, wait, this is our land, and we need to start rebuilding the economy. But the main reason why they were there in the first place was what? To build the house of God. And so God said, consider your ways. People of God, consider your ways. You know, it, it, that's why we, we actually see that there's a similarity between the prophecy of the first week and now, because we've, always, we've also heard this word, consider. To give careful thought of your ways. How many of you are considering your ways every day? Have you, gave, gave, have you given careful thought of your ways? You know, when you do business, when you start a family, you know, when someone is, if you are a single, how many of you are single people here? Can you please raise your hand? I'm, I'm not going to attack you, okay? I'm going to honor you today, okay? How many of you are single? Single and believing. Single and believing. Come on now. Single and alive. Come on. Yes. You know, if someone is courting you, especially for the ladies, consider. Consider means to give careful thought before you enter into a relationship, right? Consider your ways. Hindi pwede yung pwede na. Lord, okay na to ah. Nag-chit-search naman eh. I mean, consider. Consider your future. Consider the priority of that person. Consider the life of that person. Consider the background of that person. Consider the faith of that person. Eh, mabait naman siya eh. Maski na hindi Christian, pwede na to. 
Consider your ways. And they were given a word of diagnosis. And asked, the Lord was asking them, you know, you were planting much, but you harvested little. You were eating, but you never have your fill. May mga ganun, di ba? Laging gutom. Ako yata yung pinapatamaan ni Hagay rito. You eat, but you're never satisfied. You drink, but you're always thirsty. You, you, you clothe yourself, but you always feel cold. You're never warm. And you work so that you can actually put your money in a purse with holes in it. Consider your ways. It's a reminder, an encouragement, close to a rebuke to the people of God. And then, last week we talked about be strong and fear not. So the, the, the people of God went on to do the work of the temple. One month into their work rebuilding, they get discouraged. And so God sent Haggai again. Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong. You know, sometimes when we start a new project, a new, I don't know, a, a new uh, priority or a new event or maybe some, a new lifestyle, you know, you're trying to maybe, I don't, know, I don't know, exercise. You know, how many of you know sometimes getting into the program, you get discouraged, right? And you get to compare, bakit sila masaya? Ako, naghihirap ako dito. Be strong. Continue doing it. You know, you're in your office. Maybe you're working in a call center. And you know that God called you to be holy and to be pure. And all around you, you're surrounded by people who are worldly. Be strong. Come on now. Don't give up. Don't fear. Yes, there's going to be a lot of opposition. But God is encouraging us. And God is speaking to these people don't give up. Continue doing the work of the temple because the glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory that it was during Solomon's time. Be strong. And today, the, I want to focus on this. And I believe that God wants to speak to us today. The very final statement that we have read earlier is this, in verse 19. From this day on, I will bless you. Come on now. How many of you are believing God for the blessings of God in your life? Yes. Yes. We're longing for this to happen. Lord, bless. May your blessings flow upon my life. I long to see the blessings flow in every area of my life. You know, my question for us today is, what do you want in your life? And we need to be careful what we pray for, right? Yeah, because when I ask, Lord... What do you, you know, sometimes you feel like the Lord is like the genie, you know, giving us three wishes. You know, He's not like that. He's giving us unlimited promises. But yeah, we need to be careful what we pray for. You know, I was reminded of this story in Greek mythology by the name of King Midas. How I many of you are familiar with Midas' touch? That everything he touched turned into gold. You know, one time he was asked by, uh, by I don't know if it's a sorcerer or by, yeah, by someone, a god, a god of wine, uh, and was, he was asking, what do you want? And he said, I want, he, he, everything in his palace was already filled with gold. But he was so greedy, and he said, I want everything I touch to become gold. And so, okay, your wish is granted. So he went to the garden, and he, he touched the mango tree, Ooh, it became gold. The Aratilis tree, whoop, it became gold. Okay? Whatever he touched became gold. He touched the, the artifacts, the statue, it became gold. And everything became gold. One time he became hungry, and he was touching his food. He was looking at the sinigang, and he touched the sinigang, it became gold. Can you imagine eating gold sinigang? <laughs> I like it with mmm, like, you know. Ninig, ninig, right? Don't make the sinigang gold. But everything that he touched became gold. He couldn't eat. Became sad. His daughter saw him and hugged him. Eventually, she became gold. And everything that she valued became gold. And the story of this king was really about What's your priority? Do you think that the value in life consists of riches and gold? 
Now, how many of you know the blessings of God is more than money? You know, what we really want is not money, but God's blessings. And there's a big difference. God's blessings is not quantifiable by money or finances. Never. And sometimes, yes, we feel the recession. We feel the high gas prices. Pag nagpapagas ako ngayon, woo! Nagugulat ako. Totoo ba to? It used to be 45, but now it's like almost 80. I saw a price list nga, nakalagay 40 plus. Yung pala half liter lang. 40 for half liter. But when you have the blessing of God, then you have everything you need. Because blessing is not about money. And when God says, from this day on, I will bless you, it's still about His grace. And I would like to say this today to all of you, and even for those of you listening, you may be poor or you may be rich. You may be well or you may be sick. You may have a small house or you may have a big mansion. It doesn't matter. If the blessing of God is with you, you will be contented and you will be satisfied. Come on now. But without God's blessing, you can have everything that the world has to offer. Money, fame, position, power, authority, rich investment portfolio maybe, but you will never be happy without the blessing of God in your life. And I believe that the blessing of God marks the difference between us, people of God, the believers, and the people of the world. Don't ever measure the blessing of God by what you have in your wallet right now, nor what you have on your uh, BDO app. It's not measured there. Pastor, I'm confused. You said God wants to bless me, but you said poor. You said sick. We need to have a different perspective of the blessings of God. Joseph was sold as a slave in Potiphar's house, and he went to prison, and the Bible says the Lord blessed him. Moses was disqualified from entering into the promised land, but the blessing and the favor of God was upon Moses. David was being, you know, chased by King Saul, running after him, wanting to, be, wanting to kill David. And yet, we know that the blessing of the Lord is upon David. You see, sometimes the world cannot understand what the blessing of God means. But yet, as a people of God, I hope that we will discern and know for sure that God is indeed blessing us, no matter what we are going through in our life. Amen. Come on now. The reality is you and I are blessed. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Who has blessed us in Christ with what? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And you may say, Pastor, I know I'm blessed in the heavenly, but what about in the earthly places? Kasama na rin yon, kapatid. When you are in Christ, then you are already blessed. And you have everything you need in life and in godliness. You know, when God blesses you, it is not something that the world can give nor take away. It's for you. The world cannot offer you anything better or take that blessing away from you. When God blesses, it sticks. Super glue yan. Right? The Bible says, um, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. Wealth is just a part of the blessing of, of God. It's not everything. In fact, I, I, I dare say this, finances is the lowest level of blessing that God can ever, ever give us. I mean, you've got salvation, which is the most important. How many of you are glad that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life that no matter what happens, no matter 
what happens in the future with the instability of the world, we're secure in God. Mental wellness, strong marriage, godly children, fulfillment in your career, satisfaction in your status in life, whether married or single, peace of mind. These are blessings of God that the world can never quantify. The world is longing to have this, but they could not because they don't have God. But do you ever wonder why the blessing of God sometimes seems to be elusive to us? You say you're doing the right things and yet the blessing of God is still not there. Well, maybe we can learn from the story of the Israelites that they have been doing a lot of things. They're doing the ceremony, but yet the blessing of God is not with them. Is it possible that you might be doing the right things and yet your heart is far away from God. It's not about doing. It's really about delighting in God. And could it be that the church today, you know, we are here worshiping in this place, yet in our hearts, this is just a hypothetical question, but yet in our hearts, maybe you are rebelling against the Lord. We can be raising hands. We can be shouting at the top of our lungs, but yet our hearts are far from God. In fact, Matthew chapter 15 talks about it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And this is the word of God to the priests about the issue of holiness. And there are three things, very quickly, that Haggai, in his prophetic word, is being highlighted. First thing is this. Holiness is not contagious, but impurity is. How many of you desire to be holy? Please raise your hand. That's all of us, right? We want to be holy. God says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. But yet, when you look at this principle, this prophetic word of Haggai, we would glean from the truth that holiness is not contagious, but impurity is. Let's break it down. Verse 11, it says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. This is part of their ceremonial law in the book of Leviticus and Numbers. Now, if you're going for devotion, reading the Bible in the entire year, you know, if you get to the book of Leviticus, sometimes it's about the ceremonial law. And also the book of Numbers. And then in verse 12, it says, If someone carries holy meat, or consecrated meat, or sacred meat, okay? In the fold of his garment, it's a priest, okay? Imagine this. And touches with his fold bread, naanggihan bread, stew, beef stew, wine, or oil, or any kind of food. Does it become holy? The priests answered and said what? No. If you have a holy meat and it touches things that are not holy, does the unholy thing become pure? No. It doesn't follow because the holiness is contained wherever it is holy. That's a sacred thing. And notice the ceremonial law. The holy meat is the sacred meat here. You know, if you have clean hands, you don't make a dirty utensil clean just by touching the dirty utensil. Right? How many of you would eat like that, right? So if I hold a dirty spoon and fork, wow, it suddenly becomes clean. You know, clean and pure water when put in a dirty and muddy pitcher will not make that pitcher clean. Right? How many of you will drink from that pitcher? And that pure tongue water na to. It came from the spring of Los Banos. <laughs> you won't drink from that, right? And then he went on to make a contrast. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Now, God was asking the contrast question to the priest, and he was actually reviewing the ceremonial law found in Leviticus, even in Numbers, 
that if a person who came from war touches a dead body, when he comes back to the camp, he is supposed to purify himself for seven days. And then he can be considered clean again. Can you imagine that? That's a law. And so the priests know about this law. And so if anyone touches an unclean body, you know, we're not Jews, right? You know, when my mom passed away, I, I touched her body. If I am a Jew, I would not be able to be with you for the next seven days because I'll be considered unclean. I mean, that's the Jewish law. And so they understand this. It's, it's kind of like health and sickness. If I am healthy and you have a flu, Pastor Carlo, my breathing over your face will not make you healthy. But your sneezing and coughing over my face will make me sick. How many of you agree with me on that? That's the reason why you are wearing masks today. <laughs> Look at the person around you. <laughs> why? Because of this principle, right? It doesn't matter how healthy we are. If you take like five or six people who are healthy, healthy, and there's one person who's sick with COVID, how many of you know that even if you have a group hug, you will not impart health over that COVID person? In fact, the opposite is real. There's going to be an outbreak. Because the health cannot be passed on to the unhealthy, but the unhealthy can be passed on to the healthy. Are you getting this? It's a, it's a spiritual principle, but sometimes we miss it. And it is much easier to get sick than it is to stay healthy. That's why we need to Keep our masks on. You know, do social distancing. And do what we have to do to make sure that our antibodies are high. Sin is kind of like that. You don't pick up holiness antibodies in church. Oh, I'm going to church today. I am going to have the holiness antibodies. So that when I go to work tomorrow, I am holy. No, you're not. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes we feel that when we hang out with the holy people, we get the holiness also by osmosis. You know, when I, when I hang out with Pastor Carlo, for example, he's a prophetic guy, a guy who's really passionate in prayer. Wow, I feel holy because I'm with Pastor Carlo. It doesn't work that way. But it, it's much easier to get sin viruses everywhere you go. Just be exposed to the world. Just watch Netflix the whole week. Watch YouTube. Play Dota, Call of Duty, whatever, okay? Everything. And again, okay, if, you, if you're a gamer, Axie, if you're a gamer, it's much easier to catch it, the sin virus, than us to get a holy antibody. It doesn't work that way. Now, we're to be compassionate to the world. We are to be compassionate to the lost. You know, don't go to your office tomorrow and say, you're not holy. Get away from me, you sinner. But we need to be careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about this. Verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Everybody say this statement. Ready? One, two, three. Bad company ruins good morals. My question for us today is, who are you constantly with? Who are you always hang out with? Who are you listening to all the time? What are you watching constantly? Examine the people you're always with. You tend to become like the people you always hang out with. That's the principle. Be careful. Consider. That's why in verse 14, Haggai answered, So is it with these people. 
and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer, there is what? There is unclean. Because it seems like everything that they do is with false motives. The Israelites were thinking, maybe we can be holy because we're building the temple. I'm touching the bricks. And I can do whatever I want after this. But as I'm building the temple, I become holy. Sometimes you think that joining a church will make you holy. How many of you know joining a church will not make us holy? Serving in church will not make you holy. Even if you become an usher, though we need you to become an usher, right? In fact, we need volunteers, okay? <laughs> Volunteer weekend, okay? If you are gifted in ushering, in the music ministry, in prayer, kids, church, we appreciate and we need you. Can we give a hand to all our volunteers in church? But the point is this. Serving in church does not make us holy. We serve out of gratitude because we have been made holy. That's the, that's the difference. We serve because we are so grateful for the transformation that God has done in our life. And so I give. What you do with your hands will never matter to God unless He has captivated all of your heart. We can be busy doing things for God. That will not make us holy. It's an issue of the heart. Let's be careful, church. Being holy is a personal thing. Becoming holy is consecrating your heart before the Lord and saying, God, not me, not myself, not by my actions, not by my will, but cleanse me, O Lord. We'll never be able to make ourselves holy apart from the grace of God. It's not by doing things. Even as a pastor, you know, the reason why I'm a pastor is not because I'm holier than you. No way. We live in the same world. We face the same problems. We have the same kind of family. It's just by the sheer grace of God I can stand here before you preaching the Word of God. It doesn't make me holier than you are. But how many of you are born again? Please raise your hand. If you are saved, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you. The same Holy Spirit is in me. The same Holy Spirit in Pastor Carlo is the same Holy Spirit living in you. And that makes you holy. Amen. Come on now. There's no difference. But yet holiness cannot be rubbed off on us by doing good stuff. It doesn't work that way. Secondly, God brings discipline when we depart from Him. And this is what happened to the people of God. They initially went back to Jerusalem and they wanted to, you know, uh, rebuild the temple of God. But they forgot. And so God reminded them. And God disciplined them so that He can get their attention. That's why He said, now, consider, uh, now then consider from this day onward before the stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. How did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. But when one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. Remember week one, we're talking about the same. There's a parallelism of the first prophecy and the third prophecy. But the point of this is God was not punishing His people. He was calling them. He was reminding them, you know, people of God, I love you. You're, you're, you're my chosen ones. I want to bless you. But you got to prioritize the right things. And you know, when you talk about the discipline, how many of you have been disciplined by God in your life? You know, when you talk about the discipline of God, it is not pleasant at the moment. It is hard. But I believe that we get disciplined because we're children of God. It's kind of like spanking, right? You know, if you're a parent and you're familiar with this, you know, you spank not because you want to kill your children. You spank because you want to correct them. And you want to censure their bad behavior and ultimately their wicked heart. And by doing that, you're pointing them back to the God of grace because you will be restoring them. And, you know, even if they did wrong or they disobeyed, they lied, they dishonored you, they rebelled, they, you know, they did something that is not supposed to be done. How many of you know that you will not disown your kids? 
they will still eat on your table. And what you're doing is you're just correcting them so that you can bring them back in fellowship with you. And that's the way God is to us. When we get disciplined by God because of maybe a willful disobedience or sin, how many of you know that God will not give up on us? God is faithful. He will actually make sure that He will complete us until the day of Jesus. Amen. He'll never give up on us. And I believe that when you talk about God's discipline, it's a wake-up call. You know, one time I was in Hong Kong and I was asking, uh, you know, can you give me a wake-up call 6 a.m. in the morning? And so at six, uh, 5.59, the phone rang. Okay? And then it said, wake-up call! What? What call? For a wake up call. Okay, sorry. Uh, wake up call. It's a wake up call. God is waking His people up from slumber. You know, if you're doing something that is not pleasing, and God knows exactly that that will hit destruction. How many of you would appreciate that God will correct us, and the form of discipline will actually wake us up from slumber, so that we can be corrected in our way. Verse 17, I struck you and all the products of your toil. And this is tough. You know, how many of you know, have, you know, if you have a business and if God strikes that business and it doesn't prosper, wow, Lord, nag-start ako ng bakery. You know, I started a, you know, a, a salon business. I started a nail salon or whatever. I started a boba shop, you know, you know, but you struck it with blight and mildew and hail. That's tough. But the motive of God is this, but you did not turn to me. The reason why God sometimes strikes what we have is so that He can wake us up and He can turn us around and then He can bless us again. Amen. And when God blesses us, I believe it's going to be double next time. Consider Job. And sometimes, you know, the, the discipline of God is not because of an action or a sin. Sometimes it's a call for spiritual maturity. If you look at the book of Job, Job was an upright man, a godly man. He was always praying for his children. He was always sacrificing to God on behalf of his children. And then disaster struck him. Lost his children, lost all his businesses, and even almost lost his life. He became sick. But in the midst of that... He did not dishonor God with his lips. And he said these words, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. In his action, Job did not sin. And at the end of his life, Job 42, God blessed him twice the amount that God, the enemy took away from Him. Go back to your first love. If you feel like you're losing your focus, go back to your first love. Return to your first love. Hebrews chapter 12, and this is where we see the principle of discipline. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the, spirits, to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Everybody say painful. But ra rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, when we depart from God, it normally brings sufferings. But suffering does not automatically bring us back to God. We need to turn our hearts back to Him. And somehow our suffering exposes what's in our hearts, right? It's kind of like a tea bag. You put the tea in hot water, you know, something comes out. It reveals what's inside that tea bag. You know, when you go in your life through pain and sufferings and hardships, you're like a tea bag. And the difficulty in your life is like the hot water. 
what will come out of your heart? Is it praise to God and gratefulness? Or is it complaint and a turning away from God? My third and final point as I prepare to close is this. God blesses repentance. God blesses repentance. Verse 18 says, Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. And we can see here that the people's heart turned, that they started working on the temple, that they started, you know, considering their ways, that they started, you know, second prioritizing their, uh, you know, personal houses and their businesses and started prioritizing and putting God first. And then he said this, a good promise. Is the seed yet in the barn? Instead, the vine, uh, indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing but from this day on. I will bless you. And I believe that because the people started to respond and because they have repented, the blessing of God started to come into their life. You know, I like the NLT version. It says, I am giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn. Can you imagine this? The seed is in the barn. It's not even planted yet. It's not a time for harvest. But yet the blessing of God is upon His people. How many of you know it's all by grace? And sometimes you feel like, Lord, I have not even started my business yet. I have not even planted anything yet. I have not even started the partnership. I have not even started my, my work. But yet God said, I will bless you. From this day onward, I will bless you. That's your mark. God promised blessings to us when our hearts are turned right towards Him. Ezekiel chapter, chapter 36, and I would like to prepare to close right now. This is what we see from the mouth of another prophet that reveals the heart of God when you talk about holiness and the blessing of God. Ezekiel chapter uh, 36 says this, And I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. My question for us today is, is it our effort that makes us clean? Or is it God's work that makes us clean? It's God's work. And all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your, heart, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. You know, us walking in holiness and purity is not even our work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And you will be careful to obey my rules. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. And now the blessing of God is this. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And I will summon the grain. And make it abundant. And lay no famine upon you. And I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. You know, God gives us a brand new heart. And He deposits a brand new spirit in us. And when you receive that and when you respond well, the blessing of God will flow. Trust God to renew your heart. And believe God for the blessings and just receive it. You know, ultimately, purification and blessing is purely the work of God in our lives. We don't even have to do anything. We just need to respond. We need to receive it. We cannot purify ourselves on our own. We're incapable of doing that. That's why we go back to the ceremonial law. Is anything that's holy capable of making unclean holy? We're unclean people. And it's only the Spirit of God that makes us clean. 
And as I end, I was reminded of this story of Jesus in Mark chapter 1. And a beautiful picture of how he cleansed a leper. You know, we started in Haggai when God was asking the priest, can uh, an unclean thing make something clean? And it doesn't happen that way. And can a holy thing make something holy? It doesn't happen that way. But yet we find in the story of Jesus, when this leper was approaching him, and he was crying out at the top of his lungs, he came to Jesus and he knelt down on his knees. And he said this, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You know, leprosy is one of the dreaded sickness in the time, in that time, and even during today. It's actually a sickness that debilitates your body. It actually, you know, somehow affects your nerves. It impacts your, your skin. It's a skin disease. It's a degenerating skin disease. It's not only physical, but it has spiritual implications as well. And God is saying that someone with leprosy is to be put out of the camp because that person will be considered unclean. And I can imagine the stigma that this person, the leper, has been facing every single day of his life. He was an outcast. He was not part of a community. But yet he was bold enough to go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who can heal. And he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus looked at him with pity and compassion. And he said these words, I am willing. Be clean. And from that time on, immediately, the Bible says, immediately the leprosy left him and he became clean. Somehow, the principle that we have learned earlier, Jesus kind of whacks out the truth. And he, being holy, was able to make an unclean person holy. Did you see that? Only through Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the gospel of Christ given to each and every one of us. We are incapable of making ourselves pure. But when you encounter the Lord in your life, and when you cry out in humility, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I believe that Jesus is always saying to us, I am willing, be clean. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.